my knees, he is my head, should die. He always looks out for me, Jehovah Jireh. He is my God. I sing it, Jehovah Jireh. He is my God. My God is more than enough. He takes my power, my knees. He is my head, should die. He always looks out for me, Jehovah Jireh.
in your life Oh yes you can And nothing's impossible To them that believe I'm standing on the promises of God I'm standing, I'm standing on the promises I believe, I believe what His Word says I'm standing on, I'm standing on His promises I believe The size of a mustard seed. You can speak to the mountain in your life. Oh, yes, you can. Nothing's impossible. Oh, Lord, I want to be in that number when the saints 
worship him this morning. I praise and love you, Jesus Christ. I worship you, most holy Savior. Need your grace and your glory here this morning, Lord. Your wonderful peace and love to touch every heart. I thank you, dear Jesus. Thank you, dear Lord. You have a Bible this morning. If you'd like to follow along, turning to 1 Timothy. Trouble finding that, go to the book of Revelation and work your way backwards a little bit. You'll come to 1 Timothy. Very nice to have all of you here this morning. We feel the good presence of the Lord. We want our hearts and minds to be open to Him and to His Word. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3. For this is a good and acceptable, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified 
in due time. Everybody said praise the Lord. All right. I'd like to work this morning on a very simple subject of what God wants most. What God wants most. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. It's good to get it settled in your mind that God is the Savior. He said in Isaiah 43 and 11, I, even I, am God, and besides me there is no Savior. He alone is the Savior. The Bible teaches that in Psalms, for example, Psalm 20 as well as Psalm 28, it uses the phrase, the saving strength of the Lord. The saving strength of the Lord. He is not lacking in power or strength. As it is written, once again, when God showed himself in the flesh, God is a spirit, you do not see him. But the Bible teaches that the invisible God chose to show himself in visibly. The visible part is what is mentioned here. That's the mediator between the Spirit and us, men, people. And that mediator is the man, Christ Jesus. That is a reference to the flesh. That's why your Bible said that the Word that was God was made flesh and dwelt among us. The invisible God, being a Spirit, robed Himself in visible flesh and dwelt among mankind. The Scripture further teaches that it's a great mystery, but that God was manifest in the flesh. That means the Spirit that is invisible showed Himself visibly. He did that in a, He demonstrated that in a very clear manner and fashion. So the Spirit was manifest in the flesh. You want to understand that the Spirit of the Lord, the Bible teaches, dwelled in the man, Christ Jesus, the invisible being in the visible, that he was in that visible, in that flesh, in that tabernacle or that temple to the fullness. There was no lacking. Hence, Jesus uttering the words, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. That's why it's written that in him dwelled the fullness of the very God bodily that it was pleasing to the Spirit to dwell in that flesh to the fullness. And so he did not, in other words, send a second or a third or a tenth person down here to do some kind of job. But he came himself. He came robed in flesh so that he could be seen and so that flesh could be the sacrifice on the cross for everybody. He did that because he so loved this world. The Spirit so loved the world that he gave his only begotten flesh that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. Learning how to believe on him. Well, number one, you learn to believe on him as the Scripture says. The Scripture dictates how we are to believe and when we become truly believers in the eyes of the Spirit. 
as we begin to believe on him as the scripture teaches us. The scripture teaches us that his spirit is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The scripture is teaching us to repent. The scripture is teaching us that what God wants most of all, as it is written here, he will have all men to be saved. That means all people to be saved. Doesn't matter what your race is. Doesn't matter what your nationality is. Doesn't matter what island or what country you come from. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This is a good and an acceptable saying that he, God, does not want anybody to be lost. He wants everybody to be saved. And that's why he came in the flesh so that you might have someone to represent between us and him. Someone that would hang on a cross. Someone that would give his life and shed his blood and take the beatings and the whippings and the dehumiliation for you that you might be saved. You might be delivered from the spirit of this world who will have all men. It means all mankind, all human beings, have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. There is a truth in the Scriptures. There is that which he represents. After all, he is the truth. And he imparts that truth, that truth of the Scriptures, that truth of salvation, and all that comes along with and accompanies salvation. Better things the Bible teaches. There are things that God is offering that are so much better. There are things that God has planned for your life that are so much better than what you're involved with now. The saving strength of the Lord is your answer. You can feel in your mind and your heart, you can feel, well, how, how can I get out of what I'm in? I'm, I'm addicted to these things. These things are big in my life. These things are what I find myself hunting for and reaching for and uh, searching for and, and desiring, and they're bigger than my strength. I, I fall short, and, but yet you must trust in Him who is the Savior, that His saving strength is greater than any grip the enemy has on your soul. Any grip the enemy has through any type of drug. His strength is greater. His saving strength is stronger than the pull of cocaine. His saving strength is stronger than the addiction of meth. His saving strength is greater than any alcohol, than any spirit that the enemy uses through any invention. His saving strength his saving arm which is not short. His saving ear which hears your cry for help and mercy in a time of trouble and need. You simply need to understand that you have a need this morning. You have a need to be saved. You have a need to be delivered. And it is written very plainly that neither is there salvation in any other. There is no other Savior. If you're waiting for another Savior, don't hold your breath because there is no other Savior. There is no other God. He said, there is no God else beside me. 
He said, I am God. I am a just God and a just Savior. He's there to save you. He's not there to condemn you. You become condemned of your own conscience. You become condemned of your own activities. You become condemned of the things that you're involved with and you carry that weight of sin and that load of sin continually around like it's tied to you like some kind of a rope and a cart and you're pulling that heavy load every day. Jesus said, I want to save you. I want you to be saved. It's my will for you to be saved. I am your Savior. You need to acknowledge that. You need to give it up. One man got very motivated. Sometimes there is certainly a call for men to get motivated. And when there's not a man around, maybe I should say when there's not a husband around, that it falls to the woman to get motivated. This individual got motivated, the Bible said, and got moved by a certain respect and fear and reverence. That's God. That's His Word. He's talking to my heart. I need to sit up and pay attention. I need to take heed to what I'm hearing here. I need to give it my undivided attention. I want to do this because as this individual is outlined in the Bible, it's to the saving of my house. I've got children. I don't want them to grow up and be addicted. I don't want their lives to be all twisted up and complicated. I don't want them to be used and abused. I don't want them to fall into every trap that I've fallen into. I don't want them to trip over every stumbling stone that I've stumbled over. I don't want them to blindly wander in the darkness of this world, the hard, callousing darkness of this world. I want something. I better get moving here. I better get motivated here. God wants me to be saved and if I'll move with that salvation with that strength of God if I'll get motivated and start moving it can save me and it can save my children it can save my family it can save friends I can be a light that will pull people out lead them out of darkness so good this is good and acceptable in the sight of the spirit our Savior. He wants you to start thinking about moving in a direction to the saving of your house. In the book of Acts, the book of Acts is where Jesus started his church. Now, I'm not interested in going to the encyclopedia or a specific book that could tell me all the different denominations and who started them and what year they got started and, and all their teachings coming out of there. Who cares? I want to go back before that. I want to go back to what Jesus started. I want what he started. I want, I want what he's about. I don't want to play church. I don't, I don't want some religion. I need salvation that the Savior of all men is offering. I want what he brought. And what he brought, the Bible teaches that when he poured out his Spirit, upon all flesh for the first time for whosoever will that they were filled with the Holy Ghost 
they rejoiced, they shouted, they danced, they spoke in other tongues or languages as the Spirit gave them the utterance and their lives began to testify in due time that they had truly been saved because the cocaine guy wasn't doing the cocaine anymore because he had something better because the person on meth didn't need the meth anymore because they had something better because the person that was bound by sin and living in darkness was now in the light and they had fruit of the spirit in their life they had the love of God and the peace of God and the joy of God they had the discipline of God and faith and so many good things in their lives the Bible teaches that the church that Jesus gave birth to when you read the book of Acts you read how that church went forward that body of believers that's what the church is it's a body of believers people just like you that came out of darkness came out of sin came out of wrong kind of involvements and misspending their time in things that could do them no good whatsoever in this life and especially with the world to come. And they, they came and they repented. And then they got baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and all their sins were fully pardoned and forgiven and sent away and remembered no more. And then, you know, somebody comes around and they say, huh, I, know, I know you're going down to that church. <laughs> I know the life you live. You can say, you're right. You said it right. The life I lived, that's past tense. That's not going to be anymore. See, I'm going to get an experience here that's going to change me. It's going to make me an ex-sinner. It's going to make me a saint of God. It means I'm going to be somebody that's separated and set apart and that I've been given a, a brand new experience that has washed me clean and really given me the hope, eternal hope, it's given me something to live for here and in the world to come. When they went forth in the book of Acts, from the upper room of the church house, where Jesus first filled them with the Holy Ghost, he gave birth to his church. His church did not sit around. It went into the highways and the byways and the hedges. It went from house to house. It went from person to person. It went to family and friends and employees and employers and told them of this great experience that they had received. And when they went to one individual, the Bible teaches that the man asked him, what, what do I do? And they told him to believe. And that gets qualified, believe as the Scripture has said. And he said, not only will you be saved, but it said, in all your house, to the saving of your house. First you get it, but then it don't stay just to you. Jeremiah said you do that, it's like fire shut up in your bones. This fire is meant to burn up and go out. It's like a, also like a, a well that springs up and goes out and makes a river, and the streams thereof bring healing to people, bring salvation to people. The fire brings a purging to people. It gets rid of sin. However the Bible illustrates it, it's to do the good that it's intended to do. What God wants most is for you to be saved. Starts with you. You can get a burden about everybody else, and sometimes that's just an excuse. Sometimes that's just a way of pushing it off to the side and putting it off or procrastinating, putting it off. I'll get to it. But in the meantime, boy, you need this. You, you should go down. You need this. Well, you want to lead people to this. You lead by your example. You begin to realize 
The Bible's full of people that came to Jesus. And they came because they acknowledged their need. They said, I got a need. Acknowledge it. They didn't live in denial. Say, I don't have any need. I'm okay. I'm fine just like I am. You know, no, they acknowledged it. They said, I have need. I, I need some help here. And they came to Jesus. And they got to him. And they had their need met. They were delivered or saved from their particular situation, whatever it might have been. Women came. Mothers came. Daughters were delivered. Sons and fathers, people, every background, and every different type of situation in life, every, every language, every nationality, it made no difference. People came from all over, and they came to get what he could give to them. They needed his saving strength. You know, if you get stuck, um, Blake here showed me a big old picture of a, uh, a giant tractor and it, stuff it was pulling and it went down the side of the canal and was all tip-sided and sunk in the mud and water and everything else. I know he didn't call for a Volkswagen to come pull that big old tractor out of there. You don't send for somebody on a bicycle, you know. Don't send the guy with the little cha-ching, cha-ching, he's selling ice cream. If you want ice cream, send for him. But don't send for him to pull that big old mess out of that big old mess. You want something a whole lot bigger than that. And I'm telling you the saving strength of our God who wants you to be saved. He has a plan. He did not come and bring some little eensy-beensy teensy-weensy little plan here. He brought a great big plan and he brought a great big strength and he said, all power is given unto me. I've invested everything's been invested in this mediator, this man Christ Jesus, who's going to give his life on the cross, whose body's going to be a sacrifice and that body's going to give its life that you might be saved and you might be pulled out of whatever horrible pit you're in. He wants to pull you out and set you on the rock and establish your goings. He wants it to reach to your house. He wants it to, to reach to people all around you. He wants people, he wants to show you to people so that it can be said, look what the Lord has done. Look what the mighty arm of the Lord has worked. And it it's not designed to come in on Sunday and be missing on Monday. This will be with you day in and day out. Somebody said, well, what do I have to give up? Sin. That's like saying you're giving up cancer. It's like saying you're giving up any kind of disease that is out to destroy you, and eventually it will. You won't always be young. You won't always be attractive. You won't always have physical strength. Your eyes won't always be 20-20 in their vision. Your brain won't hit on all the cylinders forever. Hear me when I tell you. No wonder the Bible said, remember thy creator in the days of thy youth. You say, well, I'm not very young. No, 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 no. You remember in the fact that you're still operating. You're still functioning. 
you still got a mind that can comprehend. You've still got uh, uh, the eyesight is working here and the ears can hear and, and you're able to get up and you can breathe and you can walk and you can talk so you might want to tell yourself that I need to remember now. I need to hear the call now. I need to get involved with what he's doing now. I need to listen, sit up and pay attention that he wants me to be saved. He doesn't want me to be lost. He doesn't want to condemn me. He doesn't want to put me down. He doesn't want to make me feel bad. He doesn't want to chase me down the road with a club. He's wanting me to be saved. He's not willing. It's not God's will for you to be lost. I'm telling you, it's God's will for you to be saved. So quit running from him and start running to him. Tell yourself, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to call on him who is the Savior. And he is the Savior of all men, especially of them that believe. The point you want to get there is whether you believe or not, he's the Savior. That's not going to change. What it changes is in your heart. He's a Savior especially of them. And that's the way the Bible said, especially of them that believe. It's a good time to start believing. Don't wait till things get worse, and they are going to get worse. And I am not a prophet of doom. But for this world, this unbelieving world, this unhappy world, this, this dissatisfied world, it's not going to get better. It is going to get worse. Evil men and seducers, things that seduce you, things that wear you down, things that get you to doing the wrong thing. You know? And uh, you've got to come to that place to where you say, I have a need here. And the only one that can meet my need is that Savior, Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can pull me out of what I've gotten myself or what I find myself in. He's the only one that can deliver me from the misery that's got a hold of my heart, from the aches and the pains and the loneliness and the upset feeling of my mind and from the letdown and from my fears and my worries and my concerns, my anxiety, which is a fear of the unknown from all those panic attacks that I find myself having. Told us about one woman, their kids found her with their head in the freezer. They said, Mama, what are you doing? She said, I'm having a panic attack. You don't need to put your head in the freezer. You need to put your heart in the hands of the master. You need to call on him. You don't need more, more prescription drugs. You need, a, you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's what you need. You need what Jesus' plan of salvation is. He wants to give you a new heart and a new spirit and a new mind and a new attitude. He wants to give you such a good feeling that will stay with you, that will keep you on the proper balanced level all the time, that will help you when the enemy tries to knock you off your groove, that the Holy Ghost puts you right back in that Holy Ghost groove and gets you going down the straight and the narrow, headed for the place you need to be headed for. You can call upon the name of the Lord and you can be saved because God God's will is for you to be saved. He wants you to be saved. Everybody said praise the Lord. The Bible said for there is one God. Everybody said one God. Now you don't go be trying to carve God up like a pie. Now I know we all like that carrot cake and we want to carve it up so everybody can get a slice. Too bad we don't have any this morning. I don't need any this morning. 
But, you know, we'd like to slice that up enough to make sure that everybody gets a little bit. But let me tell you, God is not a pie and he's not a cake. And you do not divide him up and you do not slice him up. God is one. And he knows how to manifest or show himself to be just exactly what you need. Okay? You need a Savior? Oh, you need a Savior. Well, then he is your Savior. He's standing right there. The Bible said he is ready to pardon. You don't have to say, hey, God, you ready? God's ready. God said in his word, I'm ready to pardon. Okay? Somebody said they were born ready. Well, God didn't even get born. He always was and he always will be. He's the beginning. He's the ending. He's the first. He's the last. He's the alpha. He's the omega. He's the almighty. He's the wonderful. He's the counselor. He is the everlasting father. He's the prince of peace. And his name is Jesus Christ. And that name is above every name. And neither is there salvation any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. My need is to be saved. I need to be saved. I'm stuck in the mud of life. I'm stuck in this horrible pit. I need to be saved. He will save you. He will help you. He will deliver you. He's not hiding. He's not playing games. He hasn't made it complicated. He's put it out there through his church crystal clear. You just start repenting. What does that mean? It means you tell God you're sorry for being so sorry. Born that way. He knows that. And the enemy has complicated it. He's lost and he wants you to be lost. He's miserable, and he wants you to be miserable. He's going to spend all of eternity separated from God, and he wants you to spend all eternity separated from God. He wants you to be with him so he can torment you for all of eternity. But God said, I'm not willing for you to perish. I don't want you to be lost. I don't want you to keep on just keeping on in the same old thing and ignoring, putting off, and saying one day and, well, that guy needs to be saved. I'll get there one of these days. He doesn't want you to do that. If you, if you knew, I'm sure there has been times when you have said, if I knew now what I knew, if I, if I knew now what I knew then, I would, I would have done the right thing right in the beginning. I wouldn't, I wouldn't wait. I know I said that wrong, but you got my point. Okay, and that's just to make sure you're listening anyway. You know that, right? Everybody said praise the Lord. So when you wake up to some things in life and you say, man, if I could do that all over again, boy, I'd sure do it different. Well, this is your chance because Jesus said you must be born again. Again. He's got an again for you. He's got a second chance for you. You've got an opportunity to get this and start doing it right, to get off on the right foot with the right birth. You know, in this world, it's who, you, who your mom and dad is. And have you got a silver spoon? And is there already a whole bunch of money set aside for you? Are you going to have the right clothes with the right brand name? Are you going to have the right car with the right wheels and, and inches? Are you going to have all these things? Let me, did you, are you going to go to the right schools? Are you going to get the right education? Are you going to get the right job? Are you going to marry the right person? Let me tell you something. God wants to be your father. And he wants the church to be your mother. And he wants to give you every good and every important thing that you need in this
life and most especially in the world to come. You don't have to be underprivileged. You can have this great experience. Same thing he gave Mary. Same thing he gave Peter, James, and John. The rest of the apostles. Because God is no respecter of persons. He's not looking at one and snubbing the other. God is no respecter of persons. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. While you're standing, you start repenting. You tell God, I want to turn away from sin. I want to turn away from the things I've been involved with and indulging myself in. I want a new lifestyle here, Lord. I want, to, I want the godly lifestyle. I want to go in the right direction. Help me here, Lord. And after you make a good repentance before God, then you come and we will baptize you in water in the name of Jesus Christ. And it will be for the remission of all of your sins. You will truly then, when we put you down in the water, Upon the profession of your faith, we will baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. When we do that, you are baptized then in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Because Jesus Christ is the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And so as a, as a young person, somewhere along the line, you got baptized. And they said, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Ain't nothing happened, but you got wet. That's it. Okay? You go down the bank and sign mom or daughter or grandmother on that check. You ain't getting nothing. You've got to sign your name. And the name is Jesus Christ. They don't care about your title. They don't care if you're the mother of your family. They don't care if you're the grandmother of 13 kids, grandkids. They don't care about that. They want your name. And you want that name, Jesus Christ, because neither is there salvation in any other. That's what the church brought to lost people everywhere they went. They brought the name above every name. They brought the name of Jesus Christ. Man leaping and jumping and praising and worshiping and having a big old time. And they said, "He, you, were, you couldn't even walk. What's going on here? And they looked at the apostles like they did some great thing. And they said, oh, don't look on us like we're anybody. Said, at the name of Jesus Christ, this man has been whole, made whole and healed. That's how that happened. At the name, whatsoever you do in word or deed, you do it all in the name of Jesus Christ. Hear me now. Let's make a move to get saved. And that will reach to our saving of our home family, people we care so much about. Let's begin to do that. I'll repent, Lord, and I will be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. And then all my sins will be fully pardoned, everything wiped out, and I get a brand new start. And then when you come up out of the water, we just had a brand new woman that, uh, an older woman at that, that, uh, you know, some people say, well, you get too old. No, no, uh-uh, that's not true. And this older woman, a mother, a grandmother, she, uh, she got taught in Fort Myers Bible study with Pastor Urshan, and uh, she's only part-time down here, one of them snowbirds, and, and she went back up there and ran into snow, and uh, the old bird flew right into the snow. <laughs> went the wrong direction, but went back up there and went to one of our churches and got baptized in Jesus' name as a result of being taught the Bible study. And when coming up out of the water, she received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Come on. It's all according to your heart. Have good faith. After you're baptized, have good faith. And God wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. He wants you to be saved. Let's take a moment.
Lift our hearts with our hands. We're loving him. I praise you, Jesus Christ. I worship you, my Lord. I'm running, I'm running to the mercy seat where he wants to give you this message tonight. He's calling this day. He said his grace would come. Not willing that you should perish. He's provided everything. It will be blood, he gave the blood. He the spirit to give the spirit. He forgiveness, he gave the forgiveness. He did the cross, he gave the cross. He did a life, he gave the life. Everything's been provided. Just waiting on you. I'm running. I'm running to the mercy. We have needs. Needs in our life. He's calling. He said his grace would cover me. His blood will You need his favor. He's provided the favor. It will provide the favor. Beautiful love and the grace of God.